Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. And today's member of the ward is Elder Zach Batra, who is a, a longtime member of, of the Fisher's... You were in the Fisher's first ward with us for a long time, weren't you? Uh, or have you been the second ward for the whole time? I think it's always been the second ward. Our family's moved around a lot, you know? Okay. Yeah, you guys have been in the in the ward for a long time, and um, so welcome. It's good to chat with you. Zach and I go way back, many, many years ago, back in the old days when we had home teaching. <laughs> Zach and I were home teaching companions, and we, that's right, we did, I remember visiting, I think we visited the Gorges. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure that I'm all that memorable myself, <laughs> but... So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Zach. Where Where are you from? Were you born in Fishers in in Indiana, or um, I was born in Arizona. Okay, we moved here shortly after I moved. After I was born, uh-huh. we moved back to Arizona, then back to Indiana, then a couple times within Indiana. Okay, so you've been you bounced around a little bit. Um, do you remember much about Arizona? Yeah, it, w- it was. Uh, Hot, of course. Right. <laughs> a lot drier. Um, I like school and everything there. Um, you know, we lived with our cousins for a little bit. Okay. What part of what part of Arizona did you guys live in? We lived in Mesa. Okay. It's pretty nice. And how old were you when you when you guys moved back here? I want to say I was about nine years old. Okay. So old enough that you can remember. Yeah. Be four <laughs> fishers, as well as um, some of your Arizona time. Well, that's cool. And um, you are the, which child? You've got like 13 brothers. <laughs> I got uh, three older brothers and two younger, so I'm the fourth of six. Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. If you, you could not, you could get a little bit more middle, but not much more middle. <laughs> yep. So number four of six. And where are your, your two younger brothers are at home. Mm-hmm. But um, where are your three older brothers? One is in Nebraska. Okay. One is in, uh, he was in Maryland, but now I believe he's in Florida. Okay. He got repositioned recently. So he's with the military, right? He's in the Navy. Okay. The other is also in the Navy. Previously, was it living in uh, North Carolina or South Carolina, North or South Carolina? One of the Carolinas. <laughs> but he was going to get repositioned, and I'm not sure if it's happened yet. Okay. So, and you've got a couple, a couple of your brothers are married, right? Yeah, uh, two two married brothers. Two married, and your oldest has one kid, two kids? Uh, two with another on the way. Nice. So three nieces or nephews that you have. Yeah, and three from that family, and okay. uh, got another niece. Another niece. Okay. Sorry, nephew. <laughs> so um, how is it being an uncle? How do you like being an uncle? Um, It's not too much different. I don't see the, the young ones too often because my mom... She really loves playing grandma, and so right. she is, always has full attention on the grandkids. <laughs> I remember when I, um, when we started having kids, I knew my parents didn't care much about us anymore. They just they cared about the grandkids. So that's, I can see that. So between Arizona and Fishers, um, what do you like? What do you like about Fishers? 
I like that there's, uh, you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot greener than Arizona, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's just climbing and everything I, I feel are a lot more enjoyable. Um, I've gotten to meet a lot of nice people here yeah. I'm over the Fisher Second Ward. Um, I liked going to school here. Okay. And uh, I loved doing marching band, and it would have been murder in Arizona. Oh, yeah. What'd you do in marching band? Uh, I played the clarinet. Okay. And um, did you do that all through high school or even before? I did uh, clarinet for a couple years before high school and continued it all throughout. Okay. So um, what are some things, did you get to do anything um, exciting, interesting in marching band? Uh, We, competitions usually took a, at least a couple times a year we went to the Lucas Oil Stadium to perform. Okay. And so uh, that's probably like the, one of the top things, but uh, my first year of March, man, we made uh, Fisher's history when we made a state finals for the first time. In. Oh, cool. Was it was the high school new at that point? It it uh, The marching band had been in operation for about 10 years. Okay. So, you know. So not super new, but first time going to state? Yeah. Nice. And um, so marching band, what else, what else was memorable about high school? Uh... That was when I really started to discover what I really liked to do, what I, what I really couldn't enjoy and find passion in. And okay, so what are some of the things that you like to do? What are you, what are those interests that you've discovered? Um, a friend in marching band actually uh, introduced me to uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and okay. by extension, I learned that I I love storytelling. Really. So you like, uh, and I have not done Dungeons and Dragons, but I know it's a it's a um, role-playing game. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you get involved in that? And and how does that feed your your interest in storytelling? Well, uh, we were just uh, sitting, at, I think it was on the bus outside the Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh-huh. And he kind of gave me the letdown of it and invited me to join the Dungeons & Dragons Club. I joined it. Was this it. a club at school? Yeah. Cool. I joined it, loved it, and uh, began to... Really, I think uh, that year or the year after was when I started putting pen to paper with my own uh, personal stories that I like to write out. Uh, it was when I really found that I that, that was the way I like to express myself. And um, yeah. So not just Dungeons and Dragons um, game setups, but you like writing your own stories? Yeah. When playing as a player in Dungeons and Dragons, it really gives me that... Uh, much closer point of view as like this own hero in a story that I play. Okay. Um, and in writing, I, I, uh, have kind of everything under my control. It's not, uh, th- there is uh, a lot of enjoyment in some of the unpredictability that you don't know what's going to happen in Dungeons and Dragons, uh-huh. but at the same time, it, it is enjoyable to, and very satisfying to, uh, to be able to get these stories together. That's cool. So, so what have you done with your stories? I've been writing them, piecing them together, just writing little fragments. <laughs> well, that's fun. Uh, do you mostly do a specific type of genre? Do you do um, fantasy stories, or do you do um, young adult fiction type stories, or what? It, what do you typically write? I uh, mostly write fantasy with a little dabbling in sci-fi. Okay. And speaking of sci-fi, what? Um, 
what inspires you or what interests you from a sci-fi standpoint? Uh, sci-fi actually, uh, it's a weird story on it because <laughs> uh, I originally started my sci-fi writing, if I can put that in quotation marks, mm-hmm. originally just started out as daydreaming, really, okay. uh, about this about this guy that was basically a space bounty hunter. That was really all he started as. But then uh, as I started putting pen to paper mm-hmm. and starting to want a real story for this guy that I had started making at maybe as early as fi- first grade, mm-hmm. um, I started to like make him a more solid character mm-hmm. and wanted a f- to flesh out a full world for that. And so yeah, now, now I've got a science fiction story that I've kind of tried different things with and yeah. That's cool. And so um, do you have um, elements of, of your own story and the stories that you write? Are they kind of autobiographical or are they mostly um, just things that you make up? Are, are there lessons that you're trying to, to incorporate? Uh, kind of. I, I don't really put my own... I don't really put much of my life's stuff in stories, but I I try to kind of put similar emotion behind it. Like if I'm uh, if I've felt very stressed for the day or very inspired or very angry, it's very easy to make that flow onto the paper and kind of try and get that emotion in that. And I guess. I haven't started putting pen to paper on this idea yet, but I've kind of, you know, uh, this has just been an idea, but I, I've kind of thought about how uh, Tolkien and, uh, is it, the other authors, is it C.S. Lewis that uh, that have written uh, allegories, and I've thought of mm-hmm. just like his own personal journal thing almost, just writing a, almost like a spiritual allegory of my struggles. Okay. I think that would be interesting. And what do you, how often do you write? Are you writing on a daily basis or a weekly basis or just as needed? I write sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's not too consistent. When the, when the mood strikes? Yeah, when it's, when I have time, when I am able to do so. Okay. Well, that's cool. So, um, do you have ideas for the, the allegory that you're thinking about? Is it um, do you have characters in mind for that, or is that still in the in development? Yeah, I, kind of the main one I've been thinking of. Again, no no pen has been applied to paper. Uh, the main concept was for the most recent idea was a uh, this soldier uh, kind of, who's been put in command of several th- this captain who's been put in command of several soldiers. Um, and is trying to trying to make sure the affairs of war go go well, mm-hmm. um, and trying to make sure th- he is being faithful to his superiors, and that that was kind of what, what it was going off of. Yeah, I can think of there are a lot of different ways you could take that and have a have a really interesting parallel. That would be interesting to to see. So, writing, what are some other things that you discovered that you love? Um, 
yeah, I guess writing was the biggest thing I discovered that I like in high school. Um, I also, I have a, did, don't mistake passion for competence here, but uh, <laughs> I have a bit of passion for uh, a little bit of art, but again, no, don't mistake passion for competence. Right. <laughs> so what kind of, what kind of art is it? Uh, drawing or painting or? Um, drawing really. Drawing? Okay. Sketches and such. Nice. That's, I went through a, a, a period of time in college where I, I took a cartooning class oh. and have, uh, nothing on display, <laughs> but I had some fun with that. I think there's, there are a lot of fun things that you can do with, uh, with the creative arts. So that's, that's cool. And then at some point you decided to serve a mission. Yep. So did you, um, go right out of high school or what was the the timeline there? I tried to go right out of high school. Uh, high school about halfway through is right when COVID hit. So right, okay. it was difficult to get all the medical stuff and everything done because yeah. it, everything was locked down. Everything was really difficult to yeah. go anywhere in person. Um, I end up going, I want to say a little more, about a little less than six months after I graduated high school, I think. Okay. So there's a little bit of a, of a period of time there. So uh, you had home MTC then, right? Yeah. Okay. How was that? It was... Uh, brothers at home. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird uh, kind of having to stake out my boundaries going like, okay, I'm going to... I want this area to have my MTC area. Please don't come in here while I'm in class. Mm -hmm. Please keep the TV off because I, I want to stay focused on the class. And right. <laughs> so what were some of the classes? What's, what is home MTC like? I've not, I, I, I have not had personal experience with, with anybody doing home MTC. So I've heard some bits, bits and pieces. What was a typical day? Uh, I think we spent about six hours in classes. Okay. Uh, we had two classes, one, Started in the morning, one started in, in the afternoon, each three hours, led by a different teacher. Okay. Um, we had a district and a companion mm -hmm. that we uh, did companion study with. And this is all over Zoom? All of it is over Zoom, yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes we'd have a devotional at night. Um, yeah. So did they have a, was there a structure that they had um, provided for you that at this time you have class and at this time you have your personal study and at this time you have... I don't think uh, they provide any superficial structure. Okay. But uh, it kind of just fell in as things happened, I guess. And did you have other things in the in the Provo MTC, for example, we had, and I don't remember how often, because I'm a few years past MTC, I don't remember how often we had our our um, exercise programs, but we they, we would go to the... the um, it wasn't a gym. I guess it was kind of... We'd play basketball or whatever. We'd do um, some physical, physical activities. Was anything like that part of your MTC experience or was that really part of um, that openness of the schedule? I don't think uh, they like made sure we did and everything, but I, I, I did it myself. Okay. So how long was, was your home MTC experience? It was two weeks. Okay. And you didn't have any time in the Provo MTC, right? No, it was uh, MTC straight to the field. Okay, and um, 
So how was that? How was that transition from previous prior to your mission and then home MTC and then to the field? Uh, let's see. First transition transition was, you know, a bit strange, um, being a missionary at home, mm-hmm. uh, then going from uh, home to Utah. Because your your original assignment was for Orem, right? Yeah, original assignment was Orem. Orem, Utah. Okay, so you show up in Utah, and now you have a different transition where now you have a companion, and you have different rules. I would imagine there you you still have COVID rules that you have to follow. So what what was that like? Yeah, it was again uh, a lot different than I expected because first day I come out there, uh, we, we had a companion just like in MTC, but I could, you know, see them and in person and everything. Uh, it was a lot more simply because of COVID. It was a lot. And because, uh, the first area I served in Orem had was a big pocket of a very high member population within a big pocket of a very high member population. Uh, okay. So there was very little people to teach. There were a lot, and my mission president was very, you know, hammering down on meet with the members, teach through the members, mm-hmm. encourage them to reach out to their friends outside the areas that you can't go to, mm-hmm. um, with the COVID rules that you that they don't have to obey the same COVID rules. They they can right. text people. Mm-hmm. They have friends, uh, and. We were limited to these 15-minute meetings because COVID. Right. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a lot different than I thought. <laughs> so did you have um, opportunities to, to teach via technology like uh, a Zoom lesson or over uh, like Facebook Messenger or anything like that? Yeah, we uh, use Zoom. We During my first transfer, I think we probably didn't do more than one or two lessons, if we did any. Uh, with non-members, because um, the we were just meeting with members the pretty much the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we did teach them over Zoom. So, when you met when you worked with members, did you do any any um, work with members that were not terribly active, or were you just connecting with people trying to help them in their own missionary efforts? Yes, we did try to connect with people, and let's see, less active people. I honestly can't remember how active everyone was. Uh, well, at that point, there may not, we may not have been in in uh, going to church. I don't remember how that timeline stacked oh, out. But. right, yeah, I, I think I'll, I think a lot of church was digital, mm-hmm. but um, I, I do remember that Orem did have looser in-person gathering rules than uh, Indiana did. Okay. So, um, what are some memorable experiences that you had while you were in Orem? Uh, A lot of uh, the things I did in Orem, you know, uh, the first transfer was really getting into things a lot and seeing how it was supposed how it was a lot different than what i thought mm-hmm. it was going to be the second transfer uh was when i started to see a lot of the struggles as a missionary and um 
my second companion, I, I uh, did follow-up training rather than doing the full two transfers with the same companion. Okay. Second transfer was when uh, that companion was, um, you know, I'm, I'm convinced he was there by uh, revelation that he really helped pull me through some of these uh, things I was getting bogged down with. Mm. Um, third transfer, when I... I had to go to a new area that was, it was, uh, exposed me to a lot of my phobias mm. and I, I started to break down a little bit in that time mm. and, uh, that was my last transfer in Orem. Okay. And then you were reassigned. Yeah. Right. It's wonderful to have experiences where you realize that there's somebody put in your path that really can make a difference. It sounds like that second companion was, was, uh, instrumental in that way to help you. So, um, being reassigned. So now you're, you're reassigned to the, what is your official mission? Is it the Indianapolis, Indiana service mission or what is the? Yeah. That... Okay. So, so what is, talk a little bit about what a service missionary does and what that means who's your mission president do you report to uh, we report to our stake president so not all the service missionaries within our district have the same uh mission president okay but we do share the same mission leaders uh-huh. and uh there's really not too many um service missionaries in indiana so the ones that we do have uh we got i think five of us and we're spread over a very large geographic distance. Okay, five in the state of Indiana. Is that what? You... Yeah, we, uh, I don't know if uh, some of the other missionaries missions brushed by our Indiana's barriers, but uh, it's five within our area. <laughs> so your mission president is the stake president. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. So do you have regular um, missionary interviews with the stake president, or do you have uh, as a missionary? I'm I'm not sure if it's the same as it was back in the 1900s when I started a mission. <laughs> yeah, we still have uh, president interviews. So you have president interviews, and and you write, do you write weekly letters to the president? Yep. Okay, and and those are going to President Robinson. Uh yeah. Oh, okay, that's that's cool um, to have that kind of experience. So, when you're assigned to be a service missionary, what is what does that mean? What is it? What are the guidelines? What are the the opportunities that you have as a service missionary? Um, mostly we serve in the community. Uh, our purpose is to help others come unto Christ by serving them as the Savior would. Okay, that's, and, I love that purpose. <laughs> it's a great purpose. And so your service mission and somebody else's service mission may be very different, it sounds like. Yeah. So who decides what you end up doing to serve in the community? The mission, at least when I came in, uh, the mission leaders proposed a couple things that I do, mm-hmm. gave me times and places that they thought would be good. And the rest was kind of left up to me to see if I would uh, choose to serve in those places or if I would find some other places to fill my time with. Mm-hmm. So they, I found a couple places that I did not find with their recommendation and a couple places that they did give me with their recommendation. Okay. So as a service missionary, do you have a companion or is it, is it kind of like what you had in the home MTC where it was a, 
a um, long distance type connection, but she checked in, or is that not the case? Uh, companion is kind of a term that applies uh, whenever we're serving with a missionary of the same gender. Okay. So our companions swap whenever we <laughs> go to new service places, I guess. Okay. So what are some of the what are some of the service opportunities that you get to do on a on a regular basis? Uh, I got a weekly schedule for for this. Uh, on Mondays, there's a homeless shelter I go to. Cool. On Tuesdays, that's what do you do at the homeless shelter? Um, I I've been helping uh, move furniture uh-huh. uh, with the and the, there's a thrift store that they have to fund the shelter. Uh-huh. So a lot of it's uh, keeping the thrift store orderly. Nice. Uh, moving furniture for sale, things like that. Cool. Okay, and you do that every Monday. Yeah, on, on Mondays. Okay. Um, Tuesdays I go to the Bishop's Storehouse mm-hmm. um, and, and to that thrift store if I have time in the afternoon. On Wednesdays, I go to this food pantry in Noblesville and to uh, and to the Bishop's Storehouse in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Thursdays and Fridays, I go to a food pantry in Indianapolis and uh, to the temple in the evenings. For both days? Yeah. Okay. I know you work on uh, Friday nights because that's the same shift. I'm... <laughs> so two two evenings a week here at the temple. That's neat. Uh, it's actually every other Friday. Every so other Friday, okay. One and a half so we're on evenings same... a week. <laughs> so are you on the same uh, the same week? Week are you doing Thursday and Friday, or are you alternating Thursday one week, Friday the next week? It's uh, Thursday every week and Friday every other week. Okay. Cool. So, um, talk a little bit about your temple service experience what has that been like um at the beginning i was kind of questioning serving in the temple but uh when the bishop's storehouse asked that i be there on wednesday nights i had to drop one of my temple shifts mm. uh, which was originally doing laundry on wednesday nights okay so then uh, it was then that i realized that i had become to rely on the temple mm. and uh I don't know. Is the is, I think the temple is a good thing to be addicted to. <laughs> so it's a good place to be. <laughs> I at first I I wasn't comfortable with the service there, mm-hmm. um, but then I realized how I, it was after that I had to drop that shift that I realized that I you know I needed to serve there, mm. and I asked for some more work there and mm-hmm. I got more work. Nice. So are you working in the laundry at all, or is it are you doing? Um working as an ordinance worker on Thursdays and Fridays? Uh, I, I switch every so often. Okay. Yeah. So is it based on on um, shift assignments, or is it based on... It's just the every other week schedule. Okay. Kind of flip-flopping. Nice. Well, that's good. What are, um, what are some other things that you do um, over the course of a week, or is that pretty much what your schedule is? That's uh, my schedule. I... I uh, have a preparation day on su- Saturday. Okay. Um, if there's unexpected service that, like, someone needs to move or whatever, I can pick it up whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Sunday, uh, it's... I know you have kind of become the chocolate cake man, but <laughs> uh, me and... I have a little bit. <laughs> me and uh, my little brother, Matt, frequently go on these things we call cookie crusades, uh-huh. and we'll bake a batch of cookies and go and deliver them. And we've been a recipient a few times, and they are good cookies, too. So we appreciate that. And it's, isn't it a great experience when you go visit somebody and you just get to share something with them? Yeah. So 
That's fun. So you get to do your cookie crusades on Sundays. Yeah. That's good. And um, I love, by the way, the fact that you, you're wearing your your uh, name, ta- name tag. I see that in the temple as well, that you're wearing your uh, Elder Batra name tag. So um, what has your service mission meant to you as you've served in different capacities, working in homeless shelters and food pantries and at the temple and in the storehouse? Uh, what it's meant to me, let's see. It's kind of been a an experience where it's helped me see things from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I figured a mission was always going out, holding up the Book of Mormon, uh, mm-hmm. maybe bring a soapbox if you if you want, <laughs> <laughs> standing on the street corner maybe. Uh, but um, I I kind of have thought of uh, I I originally. I've been teased about it this a couple of times, but I originally, if I'm being honest, thought a, a service mission was a quote unquote fake mission. Okay. Uh, and I, I did not, I, when uh, my mission president in Orem recommended that I serve a service mission, uh, I was originally kind of appalled at the idea. I did not want to do that. I, I thought, I thought Orem was where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just didn't feel like I was supposed to go to uh, Indiana, but as my mission president said that he was absolutely certain that was where I was supposed to be, Hmm. um, I kind of prayed about it, and um, I went in with caution, Mm -hmm. uh, but it kind of grew on me a little bit, and and when I first transferred over, I was like pretty convinced that this was just going to be a temporary reassignment that I would, um, I would head right back out to Orem as mm-hmm. soon as I was, you know, in in a fit position to do so. Right. Um. So I guess what I've what one of the big things I've taken from the service mission is that um, carrying the Book of Mormon and showing it to people's faces is mm-hmm. not the only way to serve the Lord. That right. That uh, th- though. That um, teaching people about the gospel is not the only way to serve. It's, it's to get them in a position where there's food in their bellies enough that they can receive the gospel, uh, mm-hmm. and to, I mean, uh, to sh- show them, you know, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. This because of what he has done to me, this is what I'm going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just showing, you know, p- planting seeds, I guess, for the teaching missionaries to gather, if you will. Right. I think there's, um, I think you're right in that there's a, I'll, I'll just call it a stigma that I, th- I hope is changing that a, um, I have a niece, for example, that served a, um, a mission as a performing missionary at, at, for the Nauvoo, Nauvoo pageant. So her mission was very short. It was a couple of months, and um, she but she was set apart. She wore a name tag. She had mission rules and things like that. And I think there's there's been historically in the church, uh, culturally in a ways, there's this been this this idea that if you don't serve your full eighteen month 
or two year mission, then it's not a quote real mission. And I think that's we're starting to see that that's simply not true. And I love the idea that you uh, that you mentioned that your role is to um, serve people as Christ would serve them. That's just a that to me is a beautiful way of showing God's love to His children. And so um, it sounds to me, based on what you're saying, that you're that you're kind of shifting from that idea that this is not a real mission and kind of um, seeing that it is a real mission. It's just a different mission. It's a different assignment. Yeah. So um, what has serving as the Savior would serve, how has that affected you or your family or your testimony? I think it's... How it's a... How it's affected me, I think, uh, I think just in the ways that I have tried to, but before my mission, I, I thought, uh, I knew everything there was to know about the gospel, you know, and, um, as I've started in missionary service, I've, I've come to know, uh, how much I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I actually heard of this, this fallacy or something that uh, the people who know very little about something tend to think that they know a lot about it, and then when you go a little bit further in that knowledge, they realize how much they don't know and will think that they know a lot less. Right. Uh, and uh, it'll kind of ramp up in their self-assessment and actual assessment from there. That's kind of how I was. I, I learned how much I didn't know. I. I started to put into practice the things that I was learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I I've definitely learned a lot of personal things during the mission, mm-hmm. and um, how it's affected my family, my testimony. Um, I my family I when I I was first called on the service mission, I, one of the reasons that I I felt that. It, w- it could be something I was called to was that I one of the first impressions when I was considering it was that I just felt this love for my family I mm-hmm. I wanted to help them and while I've I'm not exactly sure how to do that all the time I, I've you know I, I go with my brother on cookie crusades and I mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of want them to have joy in services. Um, as I also serve and um, how it's affected my testimony is how I've started to face questions about the church and I've started to find ways to answer those questions and to how to actually trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Those are important lessons to learn how to trust in the Lord, uh, trust in the Lord and how to... How to um, I think part of that also is having trust in ourselves that uh, that we'll do the things that that he would want us to do or in a way that he would want us to do them. So your family, um, you've got two younger brothers at home and your mom, are they pretty supportive? Are they, um, or do they make your life pretty rough? <laughs> <laughs> is both an option? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm asking about three different people, so there may be three different a- answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, 
my my brother is a have been kind of busy throughout school and one of them is preparing to go on a mission so okay um they uh supportive you know they they don't really uh say anything about it Uh, Mm -hmm. it's kind of just uh something i do and right uh with my mom she supports me she uh has helped me she gets me she she got me a car to drive uh for one (laughs) and she uh, has you know helped me through uh, the transition a little bit and well good well that's good um so how much longer do you have on your mission uh less than six months okay so you're coming towards the the close of it what is um what is next what are you thinking is going to come after your mission ends uh, I haven't had too much in the way of realistic things to do. Uh, I've, I've had, uh, you know, I've, when I was in high school, I've, and discovered a couple of the passions that I wanted to pursue. I, I was thinking, oh yeah, artistic blacksmithing is the way to go. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, kind of a job, I guess. And it, takes a lot of training to actually get to a point where you can be paid and it takes a lot of down payment to get the materials and everything and uh, it's not very realistic and then i was like oh yeah i'm gonna write books for a living Uh and uh that's really more of a side hustle and the most realistic plan i've got is an engineer in some field okay (laughs) is there a specific field that you're thinking of um like a civil engineer or a mechanical engineer or um something to do with physics okay so you like the uh, the math part of it, math and science? Kind of. Okay. Well, good. So you're thinking college maybe in your future and something engineering related? Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be good. Well, what else does the Fisher Second Ward need to know about Elder Zach? Uh, if you're going through some struggles and need a plate of cookies, uh, give me a call. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's great to be able to serve that way. So, and I can, and I can attest that the cookies are quite tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it does not hurt my feelings when I see you guys come up to the door. So, well, it has been so much fun to sit down and chat with you, learn a little bit more about service missions because they're, um, there aren't a whole lot of service missionaries that I know. I see you every Friday night or every every other Friday night in the temple, <laughs> but I haven't had much opportunity to, to really understand what else you do. So I think it's wonderful that you're involved in um, just this blanket serving others the way the Savior would serve them. I think that's a wonderful way to, to serve the Lord. And it's been a great, uh, a great chat as former home teaching companions, <laughs> but getting to uh, to know a little bit more about you. So thanks for sitting down and uh, and chatting with me. Absolutely. And um, for members of the ward, thanks for listening. And if there's anybody that you can think of that you would like to uh, share this with, please do. In the meantime, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward Podcast. Please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.